Welcome back to Generation Climate, the GCE podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Leoni. And in this episode, we're sharing an interview Michelle did with Rod and Amos. So this interview was looking into the value of forests and the links between degradation of forests and the risk of pandemics. Well, let's have a listen. Hey, everyone. My name is Michelle, and I'm one of the biodiversity coordinators at Generation Climate Europe. I am excited to share with you this interview on the value of forests, drivers of the degradation and links between deforestation and risks of pandemics. For this episode, I had the pleasure to welcome Professor Rod Keenan, who is the Chair of Forest and Ecosystem Sciences at the University of Melbourne and who worked across Australia, Canada, Papua New Guinea and Southeast Asia with research interests in sustainable forest management and forests and climate change. He was joined by Amos Amanubu, who holds a degree in forestry and has served as the president of the International Forestry Students Association and in the Youth and Landscape Steering Committee, advocating for youth engagement in policy processes and capacity building in nature-based solutions, as well as for forests and environmental education. I would like to start this conversation by acknowledging that living in cities and urban areas, we are often detached from nature and therefore the value of forests as well as their importance for our daily life can seem a bit abstract, which makes it hard for us to see a direct link between the well-being of forests and our well-being. That's why I thought it would be interesting to start our conversation by asking you how you personally relate to forests. Are forests essential for you to live a good life? And if so, how have you worked to protect them in the past? Maybe you would like to start with this question, Amos. Thank you very much, Michelle. Uh, thank you very much for that wonderful uh, question and for hosting us to this uh, podcast. Um, yeah, I've had quite a personal relationship with the forest since my childhood. And uh, I grew up in a landscape, uh, in the countryside, in a landscape region with uh, a lot of forest then. Uh, this was my entire childhood where I was very much connected to uh, nature and forest. Then uh, during my adulthood, I moved out uh, to the city a place with pretty much uh, limited forest cover or even uh, no forest, if I may say. So I have a sharply contrasting distinction between living in a forested region and a non-forested region. And and as, as part of this, I occasionally move to the countryside to experience my long-standing connection to forests and feed my, my eco-nostalgia, if I may call it like that. And... Uh, Seeing these these dying trends in, in 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 forestry and in the forest cover in my country and my region, uh, I know that there is a colossal responsibility on me and other young people and any other people in the in the society to protect and and conserve forests. As at a personal level, I do this uh, by reminding people in my community about the values of forests, because sometimes these values become too obvious and, and we, we overlook their importance. And uh, I also do so through encouraging uh, tree-based agricultural systems, because uh, there is a very much need for agriculture uh, to coexist with forestry, uh, what I would call agroforestry. And lastly, um, in my country, um, 
the agricultural extension system is well advanced, uh, but uh, the, the forest extension system and advisory services is not, um, uh, needs more work to be done. So at a personal level, as a private forester, I try my best to offer free uh, forest extension services to the people that need them and to the local farmers. I, I think that's uh, what I basically do um, uh, practically in, the com in my community. Great. Thank you very much for, for these ideas and for uh, introducing us to these concepts. Uh, that's interesting. You mentioned eco-nostalgia and the value of forest and always this necessity necessity of reminding people of uh, the value forests have when we're kind of detached from them. And it's great that you offer these free services, these free advisory services. Uh, Rod, um, maybe you would like to uh, to add a little bit your perspective of what forests mean to you and what forests uh, mean also maybe uh, to Australia and to other peoples in Australia. Uh, please go ahead. Uh, thanks, Michelle. Um, yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, so I'd like to begin by just acknowledging the traditional owners of the land, the Indigenous people here in Australia. Uh, for me in Melbourne, it's the Wurundjeri people uh, that have lived and managed the forest uh, in the areas around Melbourne uh, for many thousands of years. So Indigenous people really, you know, naturally understand the value of forest. Uh, they live and depend on, you live in and um, depend on forests uh, for most of their livelihoods, you know, whether it's uh, their fuel, their uh, products for their houses, uh, many food sources, and they're also sources of medicines and, and um, other, uh, other things that uh, benefit their lives. And, you know, I think, Forests for them uh, are essential for a good life, uh, but also for increasingly urbanised societies like we are here in Melbourne or you are in Paris. So, um, we still depend very much on forests for our very existence. Um, so whether that's providing services like clean air, uh, clean water for drinking uh, from forested catchments, um, a range of different recreational opportunities. And increasingly, people are uh, seeing forests as essential for human health. Um, so in Japan, we've heard of the notion of shindorin-yoku or forest bathing. Um, but there's strong scientific evidence that spending time in the forest makes you feel happier and makes you healthier. And that's to do with the interaction of the chemistry between the, for the forests and, and our brains. So I think there are many different benefits um, that people get from forests and um, the value of those things are being appreciated more and more. Uh, I think with the COVID lockdown, you know, forests are often seen as remote, but some of our most um, highly valued and well-used forest areas are our urban parks and uh, and recreation areas and street trees. And people are increasingly you know, seeing the value of those for a good life. Thank you very much for this contribution. So you also mentioned very interesting aspects, such as, for instance, forests, like everything else in nature, is intrinsically valuable, meaning that 
independent of how forests may be useful to us humans in providing us with all these services that you mentioned, they are also valuable just in themselves. But apart from this intrinsic value, um, why are forests important? How do we personally and as a society, but also how do other species depend on forests? You started mentioning this concept of of services, Professor Rodney. Mm. What do you think about this? Would you like to, to maybe develop a little bit? Yeah, and a, a, an important thing there in thinking more broadly about the benefits of forests and those intrinsic values is their value as habitat. So um, forests are, are some of the most diverse habitats. They have a lot of structural diversity. So you often find many species of animals that live in forests that can't uh, live in any other situation. So one kind of example of that is that tropical forests, you know, where we know they're very diverse, only 15% of the land area is uh, occupied by tropical forests, but um, they contain over 50% of the Earth's terrestrial species. So they are very important habitats. But some of the things that I mentioned before are these um, benefits of ecosystem services, but um, the goods that we get from forests are still very important for our own habitat. So our houses and um, the, um, the, the building materials that we use are, uh, are derived from, from forests um, from very early days. And uh, increasingly people are seeing the benefits of um, constructing using wood. So uh, you know, it's a healthier environment to live in when uh, you're using wooden structures. And you can also sequester carbon. So it's one of the lowest um, forms of green, um, greenhouse gas emissions from building materials is using wood. So there, there are many benefits in, in using wood products. So not just timber for building, but you know, paper and packaging, a whole lot of things that are required now to, um, to make our urban systems comfortable and functioning really depend on forests. So they, we have a mix of things, the services that are being provided like water, um, carbon regulation and, um, and soil protection and stopping erosion, um, those uh, health benefits that I mentioned before. Um, but we also you know, need to be able to produce goods sustainably from forests as well. And that's one of the key challenges that we have looking ahead is how we um, do both those things, provide the, the goods that we need from forests while also maintaining the many services that forests provide us. Thank you, Rod. Uh, really interesting aspects that you mentioned, specifically the need to kind of find the balance in between protecting and preserving forests uh, as a very important habitat uh, for different species, but also sustainably making use of them for building materials, for food, uh, and all the other things that we take from them. Very interesting also, uh, the huge, huge percentage of terrestrial species, uh, I think 50% is the number you mentioned, that uh, that live in only uh, 15% of the land, which is tropical forests. Uh, so Amos, uh, you're, you're, you're living close to tropical forests, even as you said, uh, right now you're living in an urban space. But you're still very much connected connected to the forests uh, in in which you also grew up. Uh, so maybe you would like to contribute to this question: What do you think forests give us? How do we depend on them? How do other species depend on them? 
I think that uh, forests uh, are not uh, have been undervalued. Uh, uh, we have not acknowledged the very absolute uh, value of forests. Uh, the intrinsic value of forests aside, um, let us talk about the, the instrumental values of forests, the use and non-use values that we get from forests, uh, something that Rod referred to as um, as uh, the, the services, goods and services that uh, forests uh, provide. In both developing and developed countries, um, many communities and societies rely either directly or indirectly on, on uh, forest uh, goods and services. More so for my context from a developing country, Uganda, uh, mainly uh, the forest biodiversity value chain is a very colossal block that, that sustains lives and livelihoods. Uh, growing up, I, I, as, as a person who grew up in a forested region, I directly benefited, of course, from uh, accessing food from the forest. Uh, there was fodder for our animals, you know, shelter, and uh, these quite a wide array of uh, non-timber forest products. And, and going to the, the wood forest products, um, I'm from a country where about uh, over 83% of uh, the population uses biomass energy. And, and where does this come from? This primarily comes from the forest in terms of wood fuel. So you can see how the chain is connected from wood fuel, which sometimes, uh, I mean, we use the wood fuel, we convert it to charcoal, it's either sold to get household income or to boil water uh, so that there is access to, to safe drinking water, food. You can see how it is, it is how forests are connected around our lives. And um, uh, talking about uh, relating uh, forests, the value of forests to livelihoods, uh, we are talking about a sector that employs uh, over 60, uh, 86 million people are employed in the in the green job sector. So think about uh, 86 million people unemployed. Um, uh, what a mess that would be. Um, also in developing countries, um, uh, non-wood forest products particularly are of, of very high um, importance that provide up to around 20% of income for rural households in, in developing country. I mean, I have a personal uh, testimony about this because I grew up in a rural household and I know how important uh, forests can be to, to support the livelihoods and drive rural economies. So uh, in a nutshell, uh, as the world shifts to a more sustainable bioeconomy away from the fossil economy. We can expect the instrumental values of forests uh, to increase by multiple fold because uh, a heavy demand is being applied on this sector to support uh, the various production uh, systems, production and consumption systems. So um, just saying that protecting forests for these purposes is, uh, is not just and should not just be arbitrary. The everyday person uh, with a good reflection uh, should have a core understanding and awareness of the notion of the instrumental, both use and non-use values of forests beyond the intrinsic value 
which may be a little difficult for the common man to comprehend. The instrumental values should be a cornerstone rationale to understand the values of, of, of forests. Thank you, Amos. You, you made a really, really important point there. While the intrinsic value um, is important, um, I agree with you that uh, the instrumental value is something that's easier to grasp for everyone. So thanks for sharing these points, Rod and Amos. Um, and I think it's good to sum up that indeed uh, we depend on this instrumental value from forests um, much more than we think. In fact, the World Economic Forum estimated that 50% of the global GDP is moderately or highly dependent on nature, of which a lot is coming from forests. Uh, and also not just our society and economy, but also, as we had mentioned, many different species depend on forests as their habitat, uh, including 60,000 different tree species and 75% of bird species are living in the different forests globally, which is a lot. So I think these statistics and the arguments that you made, they clearly underline how the conservation of biodiversity, but also our whole society depends on the preservation of forests. So now that we have that common understanding of why forests are crucial to our survival, let's take a look at the state of forests. Amos, how do you think forests are doing globally currently? Now we are talking about, uh, according to the, the, the state of uh, forests, uh, 2021 produced by FAO, the report, we are talking about uh, a land cover of about 31% uh, of uh, the global land area is covered by forests. And uh, to a little dive, to dive a little bit deeper to see what this state looks like, uh, more than half of least 31% of the world's forests are found in only five countries, um, Brazil, Canada, China, uh, Russian Federation, and the United States of America. Uh, so this should begin to give you, uh, to give us rather an insight into how this, how the forest distribution is globally and, and where other countries are, what about the rest of the countries. Um, we are talking about uh, an ecosystem that provides uh, habitat to approximately 75% of the fauna species. We're talking about amphibians, mammals, birds, and of course, a colossal amount of uh, flora species. Uh, regarding the state of forests globally, uh, there is always the talk, you cannot lose sight of deforestation and, and, and forest degradation. Uh, this certainly is uh, not something that we want to be happening, but uh, I must acknowledge that we have seen uh, a, a, a reduction in deforestation uh, between 1990 to, 2000, uh, 2020, uh, to 2020 of about 0.07%. Uh, this, of course, is, is worth acknowledging, but uh, we would want to do away with de deforestation. Of course, I would imagine that um, uh, this is the effect of the international uh, policy instruments for conservation that took their toll around the 1990s. Um, at, at the global level, um, naturally regenerating forests account for uh, 93% of the world's forest area. The remaining 7% is composed of planted forests. So we, we begin to look at, at this. We have a very high rate of deforestation. We're trying to catch up to reduce the deforestation. Uh, 
which is still at alarming rates, of course, even though we have a, a win of 0.07% in, in, in three decades. Um, we begin to see that if 93% of the world's forests are naturally regenerating forests and planted forests account for 7%, perhaps we should begin to reevaluate our efforts. Uh, are we allocating our efforts and resources better? Should we allocate more resources to forest protection uh, rather than, uh, and just use um, planting as um, as a complementary a complement uh, to 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 you know afforestation efforts and and forest conservation, uh, we can expect uh, as we see that the global population is rising and this even puts more stress on uh, the forest sector in terms of uh, consumptive uses and also need for land. Uh, we. I mean, it, it's quite uh, hard, unfortunate to say that I'll be a little bit um, pessimistic, but with uh, with true ambition, uh, we can be on the right path uh, to reduce this alarming rate of deforestation. Thanks for giving us the status report, Amos. And even though it seems like uh, the rate of deforestation may be decreased over the past three decades, it's really important that you insisted on the fact that uh, this is still uh, not enough. Um, and uh, also this difference between the naturally regenerated forests and the planted forests and kind of the idea that maybe we should reevaluate what we do and rather protect the forests that we have instead of planting new ones that are um, often also not, um, yeah, that can't be compared to the real uh, regenerated, uh, naturally regenerating forest and primary forest that we have. Uh, Rod, would you like to um, maybe give your perspective on um, the state of forests and add to what Amos said? Um, yeah, I think I would like to start by pointing out that forests are very dynamic. So uh, they're dynamic in um, in space and time. Uh, yeah, they go through cycles of um, of disturbance and and um, reduction in forest cover and then natural regeneration. So. Uh, there's a lot of different things happening in forests in different parts of the world. So the rate of deforestation um, has been high, but it is back in the 80s, uh, 90s, um, particularly in tropical areas, but it, it's declined um, due to more effective policies in, in places like Brazil and Indonesia. Uh, but um, yeah, we're still seeing uh, a kick up in Brazil recently. So politics um, plays a factor there. But we also see that um, loss of forests is high and continuing to be high in many parts of Africa because um, the, the high population pressure that Amos pointed out. And it's also due to poverty. So um, poor people are often living in or near forests and they're, or they're pushed into forest areas uh, off some of the better agricultural land and uh, and are the drivers of deforestation uh, in, in some parts of the world. So uh, yeah, we're seeing large scale clearance of forests for agriculture by agribusiness in some parts, but also continuing forest loss due to um, these poorer uh, populations. The, um, but in temperate regions where it's a really different picture where forests are actually expanding. So if you look at Europe, parts of Asia, like China or Vietnam, 
uh, we're seeing an expansion of, of forest cover um, the US as well. So that's um, you know due to abandonment of agricultural land, people moving to the cities, uh, and more um, intensive agriculture being able to to produce more food off a off a smaller area. So there's some interesting dynamics um, going on in different parts of the world. Some of the key drivers, other drivers of deforestation, are things like infrastructure development, um, new roads and uh, dams, railways that are um, causing forest loss, mining, um, and then urban development and expansion is also a real problem in some parts. And we're seeing forest loss due to increased disturbances like fires, you know, that we had the very large wildfires here in Australia last year, uh, storms and insect pests, droughts, and all those are a function of climate change, which is you know, combined with the human pressures on forests, we now have a rapidly changing climate, which is um, putting more impacts on forests. So that's going to cause uh, increasing challenges for forest managers into the future. Yeah, thanks for insisting on these different cycles of disturbance and regeneration that forests go through, and also for uh, kind of insisting on this effect that poverty also has on clearance of forests, because as you mentioned, agriculture is, a, is an important driver, uh, and also very important that you uh, mentioned this aspect of climate change. Uh, human-made climate change that in turn uh, is the way that we indirectly uh, drive forest loss due to the wildfires, pests and droughts that emerge with climate change. So yeah, both of you have described that even though in some areas uh, forest degradation um, kind of decreased and we saw um, decreasing rates of deforestation in other places, they, uh, they went up again, as for example in Brazil, due to current politics and the dynamics they bring with them. However, um, all in all, we still saw that deforestation continues at alarming rates and that they are contributing continuously to the ongoing loss of biodiversity. So uh, Rod already mentioned agriculture. Amos, what do you think are some of the key drivers of this forest loss? Uh, I think Rod mentioned some important points about uh, the drivers of uh, deforestation and forest degradation. Uh, I can only uh, re-echo some of his points, of course, uh, globally agriculture, large-scale commercial agriculture continues to be the largest uh, cause of deforestation, accounting for about uh, 40% uh, thereof. Uh, for mainly um, uh, uh, developing countries and, and uh, the LDCs, uh, this is more of a local subsistence agriculture, which accounts for an estimated 33% of uh, deforestation. I, th I think Rod uh, already mentioned that with large-scale commercial agriculture, there has already been a provision to produce enough food uh, to um, to feed the population, which is kind of a win also for, for afforestation and reforestation efforts. But in the, 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 in the aspect of uh, the developing countries and the least developed countries, uh, this uh, commercial large-scale agriculture is not advanced. So uh, families and homes uh, that uh, practice the subsistence kind of agriculture still uh, continue with, of course, um, deforestation to save land to be able to feed the families. Um, of course, we can talk about urban expansion, uh, which accounts for 10% um, 
due to the need for land. We can talk about infrastructure, which accounts for about 10%, and then mining. Uh, but, but one important aspect that I see from here is, much as there is deforestation at alarming rate, um, uh, we would expect that uh, this should be at super alarming rates because we have uh, globally increasing population, which should put more pressure on land, which should put more pressure on food systems, which should put... Uh, more pressure on the demand for forest products. Um, but we continue to see, we see some, okay, some small, I want to call them small, but quite significant wins in afforestation efforts, which should not be uh, overlooked. Um, uh, highlighting uh, the mentioned, the aforementioned uh, causes of um, deforestation and, and, and forest degradation, I want to clearly state that there is a need to still keep forests in the broader picture, to keep them somewhere there, because I mean, the resilience of uh, the large-scale commercial agriculture entirely depends on other services, uh, ecosystem regulation services offered by forests. Uh, when we look at urban extension, infrastructure and mining, these come with uh, effects and uh, sometimes unwanted effects, environmental effects, which also would depend on forests uh, to, to regulate them. So... Uh, citing the causes and drivers of deforestation, it is these same drivers that ironically also still need forest services to regulate their effects or support their resilience and systems. Can I just make one other point about um, you know, when we're talking about the benefits and services of forests, we should also uh, remember trees outside forests. And uh, we're you know, in some parts of the world we've seen quite a rapid expansion of trees in agricultural landscapes. And Amos uh, referred to his activities in agroforestry and, and that's a very strong movement now around the world. So while we are seeing forest loss, we are also seeing uh, more trees in agricultural landscapes um, due to the activities of Amos and, and many other people around the world. Um, and th these are providing many of the benefits and services that um, people can get from forests. Thanks a lot for this contribution, Rod. Indeed, very important that the fact that it's not just forests, uh, like big landscapes that are important in terms of the services they offer us, but also the, the very individual trees that are integrated into mixed farming systems uh, due to agroforestry principles, which are very important. Yeah, for, for also agricultural ecosystems and the species in those. So, yes, uh, thanks, Amos. Uh, important also to insist on the fact that um, there's not just one agricultural activity that is menacing forests, but like it's commercial, uh, so large-scale agriculture, cattle ranching, soybean cultivation and all that, which accounts for the huge, huge share, like 40% of the tropical deforestation in the last, uh, uh, between 2000 and 2010, I believe. And then there's this local subsistence agriculture, which is also contributing to a large share of 33% um, of the deforestation. Um, and yes, uh, it's important, uh, the fact that you mentioned that um, you said it's an alarming rate, but we're maybe not recognizing this enough, uh, although uh, this deforestation really, really... Um, has crucial impacts for our food systems, which depend on the ecosystem services forests offer, as you mentioned. So thanks for bringing in all these different aspects. Um, so before we delve into the big question of how we can address these drivers, 
I would like to direct our attention to another important issue uh, that is still touching upon all our lives uh, very intensively since more than a year now. So with the current COVID-19 pandemic, we have often heard the term zoonotic diseases, which are infectious diseases that are caused by a pathogen that has jumped from a non-human animal to a human. Um, and many scientists have argued for an association between the emergence and spread of these zoonotic diseases and habitat loss due to first uh, the deforestation and forest degradation we talked about and second also the extension of human populations into forest areas, areas which both increase human exposure to wildlife. Amos, would you like to maybe start explaining a little bit to our listeners how this link between forest loss and pandemics works? I think it is quite important to acknowledge that human health and well-being are closely associated, uh, intricately associated with forests. Um, I always say that uh, without forests, uh, we are not. Uh, without us, forests are. And so if we lose the forests, we lose the people. Um, we are talking about, to give a foundation for this, we are talking about, as mentioned earlier on, uh, an ecosystem that harbors over 68% of uh, uh, the terrestrial fauna species. And uh, that, that's a, co a very colossal amount of genetic resources there and genetic diversity. And you cannot be sure of what the results of an interaction between humans and uh, these uh, systems uh, can produce uh, sometimes wanted or unwanted effects. And uh, we, we have uh, had uh, very clear examples, um, substantiated examples over the past of how uh, human-forest-related interactions have uh, resulted into a health crisis. Um, we, we talk about uh, the, the Ebola epidemic that, that, that broke out in Africa uh, some years ago already. Uh, we, we saw how this was closely associated to the chimpanzees and gorilla. And uh, as a zoonotic, uh, we, we are talking about a species that, that uh, live in forests and how we come across and interact with them. Um, uh, let, let's have a look at the, the Spanish flu, the H1N1 uh, flu that happened in 1918. It, it, it is associated with an avian origin. Uh, these are also species that live in, uh, these are forest dwelling species. Um, uh, let us talk about uh, uh, COVID, of course, of recent is one of uh, the species uh, that the health crisis or pandemics that has been uh, related to the wild. Um, so it is it is very important that we begin to rethink our 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 interaction with nature. We, be, we, we begin to see our relationship with with nature. Um, if, if we step a little outside uh, the zoonotic or pathogenic diseases that, that are associated or that result from our interaction with, with nature, we also have other health um, health problems that should soon be declared either a pandemic or so. Uh, we have uh, respiratory diseases due to poor air quality. Uh, forests would have done a very good uh, service in regulating air quality. Uh, we have malnutrition, which I would love to call an epidemic in, in many developing countries or least developed countries. So we, we see how our health, human health, 
is is closely associated with forest and 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 this is this for me is a fact that should not be denied or overlooked thank you um, really really key that you mentioned these different pandemics in the past that are all related um, to zoonotic diseases often to avian origin and the strong link between human health and well-being and forests and the well-being of forests so rod uh, is there anything uh, you would like to act uh, to add to this anything any reaction to to what Amos said about pandemics uh yeah well I, i agree entirely with everything Amos has said there is um, some connections there but also the relationships between Uh, these zoonotic diseases and viruses is actually very complicated uh, and, and the way in which um, forests are being managed is complicated. But it, it seems clear that as you clear more forest and uh, fragment forest, the, um, there's less space for wildlife and, um, and, the, and the host for some of these diseases. And there's more opportunities for interaction Uh, between them and, and usually there's an intermediate animal involved um, that, uh, that sort of multiplies up the virus and, and then transfers it to humans. Um, you know, another example here in Australia is um, we've had these um, Hendra or noniviruses that are um, uh, that killed uh, a number of people in Queensland in our in our tropical regions. Um, a few years ago and they originated in fruit bats and took them quite a long time to work out that connection. But, um, and then there's been a lot of study done on whether the, the uh, reduction in habitat and the impact on the, on the bats habitat is actually causing more stresses, which is actually causing the viruses to build up. Um, so there's, uh, there's other sorts of negative interactions that we also need to consider between um, people um, and animals as habitat get, becomes more fragmented. You know, Human-wildlife conflict is becoming more of a problem around the world, particularly for subsistence farmers in Africa and, and in Asia, uh, and uh, yeah, with elephants um, trampling crops and, and, uh, and um, different types of carnivores uh, taking um, livestock and and that's you know, causing people to feel negatively about wildlife and and about conservation efforts so there's some um, some real challenges in addressing some of those kinds of interactions too thank you uh, i didn't actually know about this case with the virus originating from fruit bats uh, in australia very interesting uh, as you said it's a super complicated relationship between viruses and pandemics and we cannot go into the details of this but i think both of you did a good job at kind of explaining the the basic processes connecting these two pheno phenomena and i hope that for our listeners this was useful so um in the last 30 minutes or so, we learned a lot about the many reasons to protect forests, reaching from yeah, their intrinsic value to, more important, the instrumental value, because it's better, it's easier to understand for us uh, thinking about how we relate to forests when we think about what they provide us in terms of goods and services. Um, so we really see that there's no doubt that we need to address these drivers of forest loss and degradation immediately. So Amos, according to you, what do you think are some of the most effective ways for different stakeholders, be it governments, businesses, or individuals to address these drivers to prevent forest loss and also future pandemics? 
I, I, I think there are quite a number of options we have at hand to address uh, the, the drivers of, of forest loss, uh, potentially also giving us a win in, in our efforts uh, to to um, to to future pan to in fighting future pandemics. Um, yes, uh, the first one that I would I would love to talk about is uh, uh, and acknowledge is uh, the policy instruments that we have at hand. Uh, we have seen how uh, beneficial the regional and international policy instruments have been, uh, quite a helpful motivation in committing states and governments. Uh, to, to kind of stick to the agenda of afforestation for the many reasons from climate change and so on. Uh, so I, I, do, I do want to credit the aspect of, uh, of using uh, such policy instruments. Uh, we are also talking about effective uh, ways for uh, the different stakeholders. We are talking about lots of stakeholders here. So therefore, dialogue is a very important tool that we can use uh, to uh, to address uh, uh, the, and prevent the drivers of forest loss and, and, and future pandemics. Because uh, dialogue helps us to consolidate and harmonize uh, the different uh, uh, interests, stakeholder interests and perspectives uh, as we move forward in, in, in efforts uh, to promote uh, uh, afforestation or reforestation and halt deforestation. Uh, uh, one aspect of uh, uh, one tool, important tool, is also community-based forest management. I think we have to acknowledge that, um, uh, especially governmental institutions, uh, everyone has to acknowledge how closely associated communities are uh, to forests. And, and of course, uh, earlier on, Rod did mention. Uh, brought in the aspect of community wildlife conflicts, human wildlife conflicts and interactions. Um, so it is very important to kind of mainstream uh, the, 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 the role of the community into uh, forest management systems. Um, Yes, and uh, one uh, big thing when we're looking at the drivers of deforestation, agriculture did stand out. So it is perhaps time for us to begin to look into uh, the development of favorable policies uh, for agriculture to exist with forestry or, or trees, perhaps. Uh, this still provides, uh, this still uh, takes me back to the concept of agroforestry, which gives a win for food production in agriculture systems, but also a win for tree cover or forest cover as we integrate tree planting with agricultural systems. We also have to look into the concept of forest protection. As earlier mentioned, uh, the naturally regenerating forests uh, form about 93%, mm -hmm. and the planted forests form about 7%. So we need to uh, uh, divert quite a colossal amount of our resources towards forest protection to protect the existing uh, forests uh, while complementing it with tree planting. And then uh, the very last uh, point uh, from my side uh, regarding uh, what the most effective ways of addressing uh, uh, the preventing the loss of forest uh, and the future pandemics is uh, we have to look at the value chains as, as the global population increases and we move toward the circular bioeconomy uh, there is 
in anticipation, there is a very high demand for forest products. Therefore, uh, the, the, the value chain, the production and value chain needs to be very sus uh, sustainable. It needs to be very efficient to ensure that resources are appropriately and efficiently used mm -hmm. the processing and production uh, without laying anything to waste. I think this way we would use the small resources that are at at our availability, at our, within our reach, while protecting those uh, that we have and, and, and sustaining them. Thanks, Amos. There's really some key things that you mentioned in terms of proposals and as to how we can address the forest loss. You talked about the policy instruments, the importance of state commitments to afforestation, but also about the role that dialogue can play between the different stakeholders and aligning their interests, and also the strong role that community-based forest, forest management should play. And also, uh, again, a concept that reoccurred several times during our conversation, agroforestry and um, the double benefit it can have in terms of producing sustainable food for us, but also in terms of um, adding to tree cover. And then, of course, the fact that we need to protect the forest that we have uh, and not just plant uh, new trees um, to kind of balance out the destruction that we caused. So Rod, um, Amos already mentioned many different things, but maybe you have some additional ideas that you could share with our listeners. Yeah, well, I agree uh, with everything Amos said, um, Michelle, but yeah, I think I'd start at the other end and think about what you can do personally in terms of your consumption and thinking about um, how and what you consume uh, in your daily life. And You, know, you start with your diet. Um, I think eating less meat um, doesn't mean you'd, you have to go completely vegetarian or vegan, but you can uh, eat some meat. But uh, when you do eat meat, ensure that it's from um, you know, well-managed pasture systems that are uh, regenerating uh, our agricultural landscapes. Uh, also, if you're eating plant-based foods, look for deforestation-free Uh, supply chain. So if you're getting eating soy products or um, palm oil, and you know, there's palm oil is often demonized, but it's actually a very efficient way to produce oil and it's a very high quality oil for many people. Um, look for deforestation free sources of those products. And I think sustainably produced wood products is also another key. So when we're talking about forest protection, it's not just about um, locking them up and not using them. It's about working out how which areas we can use sustainably to produce um, those wood products that we all depend on. And, and that can often be done in these supply chains that uh, Amos talked about with small farmers uh, in their production and supply chains. So you can look for products that are being produced in those kinds of small scale or community-based uh, management systems. And, uh, and that can really provide alternative livelihoods for those farmers, subsistence farmers that um, maybe, uh, you know, depending on clearing forests now, they can actually uh, develop more sustainable management systems if they're linked in to some of our global supply chains. I think uh, in terms of policies, um, providing um, mechanisms like payments for environmental services, so that brings the value of those many of those services we talked about before into the market and uh, people can be rewarded for better managing 
uh, protecting and restoring forests uh, and giving more local control as I must say to communities and that they often rely on the right sort of tenure arrangements, having clear land ownership, but also if they're gonna develop sustainable um, commercial enterprises, they need support for um, their business management and, and to be able to um, properly access markets and supply chains. And I think um, we really need to see more corporate transparency um, and uh, where companies are disclosing their impacts on forests and showing where they are able to do things better, showing that they can be um, responsible sources for investment or destinations for investment um, so that people who are investing money can and want to see that doing good for the world um, and for people uh, can actually um, trust um, that those investments. And, and as Amma said, that can really um, come about through dialogue between corporations, government, civil society, and building more collaborative models um, where we have shared objectives about protecting and better managing the world's forests. Thank you, Rod. Uh, both of you have mentioned really important solutions uh, we can use to turn the tide on deforestation and biodiversity loss. Rod, you have completed what Amos said regarding the community-based management and the importance of supporting um, small-scale production uh, and products coming from, from smallholder farmers. Uh, which is also enabling them to to move away from clearing forests, but uh, concentrating on products that can that can create alternative livelihood sources for them. Also, really key what you mentioned specifically for our listeners is um, the aspect of what you can do personally in terms of your own consumption. Um, to avoid deforestation, uh, it's it's um, very difficult for for many people, but it's really important to think about uh, where you can maybe reduce your meat consumption. And when you eat meat, to make sure it comes from sustainably managed pasture systems, but also for the plant-based nutrition to really look into the supply chains and avoid that it's connected to deforestation. Other important aspects that you brought into the debate was the corporate responsibility and the disclosure of deforestation in your supply chain, but also the fact that um, we really need to encourage investments into um, yeah, nature-based solutions as well and to, into sustainable uh, forest business models um, that allow livelihood creation for people, but in, in circumstances that do not degrade the forests. And also the fact that um, such things are already appearing with, for instance, the concept of payments for, for ecosystem services. So yeah, all of these are really, really great proposals and ultimately everything you said means that we need to foster a new relationship with nature. And it's something that we can achieve together. It's a long and complicated way, but you have, giving, have been giving us some great starting points, I think, with this conversation for where we can begin this journey by sharing your ideas, your opinions, and your personal experiences. So I hope that our listeners found this exchange as interesting and as inspiring as I personally did. Uh, and I would like to thank you again a lot for your valuable contributions to this conversation today. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. And thanks, Amos. Very nice to talk to you. It's a pleasure. Thank you too, Rod. That was super interesting to listen to and also really inspiring. I thought it was really interesting as well when Amos brought up the points on eco-nostalgia and then um, really focused on the need to remind people of the necessity of forests. Definitely. 
It's crucial to have this constant reminder, especially when I think that many of us are living in urban spaces with sometimes little to no access to forests, or even trees really. And they were also discussing the value of forests as habitats, illustrating the importance of their structural diversity, as well as their use to humans in stopping erosion, for sustainable production, and the fact that many communities directly or indirectly depend on them. Yeah, and they also spoke on the current state of forests and the link between the pandemic and zoonotic diseases with um, super high deforestation rates. Forests are struggling now due to wildfires, droughts, mining, and the expansion of living spaces and agriculture. They also gave some points for what we should be doing more of, such as community-based management of forests to give more control back to local communities, policy instruments, the importance of dialogue between different stakeholders of the forest, and the personal changes that we can make to help our forests out as well such as consuming less meat and making sure that the meat that we do consume comes from well-managed pasture systems and making sure that any plant-based products are produced in ways that do not contribute to the massive deforestation of the world's forests. Well, that was it for this episode of Generation Climate. Thank you for listening. And as usual, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and follow this podcast for future episodes.